Hi, I'm Elia Einhorn, and you're listening to the TalkHouse Music Podcast. The TalkHouse team set up camp at Pitchfork Music Festival in Chicago earlier this summer and recorded some fantastic artist-on-artist talks. Last episode, you heard a chat between soul singer BJ the Chicago Kid and rapper Mick Jenkins. Today, we present another talk between Chicago artists, this time taking in the city's young indie rock scene. Spencer Tweedy of the bands Tweedy and The Blisters chatted with Julian Ehrlich and Max Kakasik of the band Whitney. The world first met Spencer Tweedy when he was a little boy, drumming on his lap with his hands and asking his dad, Wilco frontman Jeff Tweedy, what song he was tapping out in a scene from the 2002 Wilco documentary, I Am Trying to Break Your Heart. At about the same time, Spencer formed the band The Blisters with some school friends. From a very early age, Spencer focused on mastering the drums, and in 2014, he and his father released a double album together under the name Tweedy and toured the world behind it. The Blisters have now been around for 14 years and released their second record, Cured, earlier this month. When the Talkhouse asked Spencer if he'd like to speak with anyone at Pitchfork Fest this year, he told us that his favorite Chicago band was Whitney, and that though he'd met guitarist Max Kakasik quickly, he would love the chance for a real sit-down. Whitney were formed from the ashes of the Chicago indie rock act, Smith Westerns. Julian Ehrlich had also drummed with Psych Rocker's Unknown Mortal Orchestra, but he teamed with Max to create an entirely different sound from their previous groups. Drawing on Americana and classic rock, Whitney were buzzing from their inception, and their debut album, Light Upon the Lake, released this June, received huge critical praise. Spencer, Max, and Julian sat down backstage at the fest and talked about Chicago's young rock scene, Wilco's legendary studio, The Loft, feeling like The Matrix, embarrassing moments with Wayne Coyne and Snoop Dogg, and, in an exciting twist, potentially collaborating. Take a listen. Dang, what's up, man? Hey. Uh, Well, I'm Spencer Tweedy, and you guys are Whitney. Yeah, Yeah, I'm Julian. Yeah, and this is Max. Yeah, I'm really glad that I finally got to see you guys um yesterday was the first time i ever saw you play oh damn yeah and it was great um and i've met max before but i've never met julian so pleased to meet you i don't know if you want necessarily people to know this but we went to the same high school oh yeah you went to Northside. yeah oh damn yeah dang was mr belcaster there no he left like the year i started i think he was the best one Mm. (laughs) that's a shame Miss mm. um, Park, Miss Park though. Miss Park, uh, I didn't have her either. Think we should stop talking about teachers. <laughs> like, no, no, there's no way I'm sorry. I'm, I know it's a That's really all good. Nobody wants to remember high school. Um, wait, so you're out of high school now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I graduated two years ago, um, so I'm a little bit younger than you guys, but um, only by a few years. Only yeah. by a few How years. Twenty two. Twenty one. Twenty. 20. Yeah, that's why Damn. I have a bottle of water up here, and you guys, some classic Goose Island, <laughs> like five beers deep. <laughs> Twenty-four on mm-hmm. this end, 20. and Max is twenty. You know, four hundred and fifty-six. Yeah, I'm twenty-five. Yeah, mm. okay. cool. What's it called? I went to. Uh, what's What's the Wilco Studio called? Foxtrot, right? Oh, the the loft. Yeah, yeah, the, the loft. loft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When were you up there? I, I um actually I actually just ran to Martin Courtney out here. Yeah. Um, when Real Estate was recording there two years ago for their last record Atlas. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm good buddies with Matt. Mm-hmm. 
he used to play guitar. I think he recently left. Um, but he wanted to borrow, I have this ARP string ensemble synth that they wanted to use, so I brought it over there. And the first thing I thought when I went there was like, it's um, when you go into the Matrix, like when you, when you go into the Matrix, when Neo goes into the Matrix and he like asks for guns and like these warehouses of guns <laughs> just go just past like him. It's like gear, ending. it's like yeah. guitars and since it's like never ending that's, rows of things. Yeah, that's pretty much accurate. We thought about like kind of on the sly asking whether or not we could like spend time in that studio for our next record. Yeah. Oh Maybe. man, True. well, yeah, it's awesome that you're asking uh, that while we're doing this, <laughs> the answer, well, well, absolutely. In fact, I, th- I mean, my dad loves your guys' record, and we should let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's talk about that yeah, later. Yeah, we'll we'll talk like, about that later. No, absolutely. But yeah, that place is beautiful. There's like a fire escape where everyone goes to smoke cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Good vibes. Thanks. Yeah, everybody. It's fun, but also a little bit. Um, embarrassing when other people come and see it for the first time because it's I I think my dad and we're, we are all proud of that space and how much it's grown since since Wilco started but it's also like I don't know you never know if somebody's going to think you're a glutton and an asshole mm-hmm. for having all that that much stuff no way but, <laughs> I mean um, they deserve it you deserve it thanks that, um, I mean, it's, it's awesome yeah. yeah but anyway it would we would love to have you around sometime um, where did you guys? I actually know the answer to this question. You guys made your last record with Jonathan Rado, right? Yeah, yeah. Like parts of it. We, I mean, we wrote for like a year straight just in our apartment in Chicago. And like, I know you've heard the demos. Mm-hmm. Um, every demo that we were making, we like actually intended for it to just be released to mm-hmm. the public um, until we actually finished the last one. And it was like, dang, we should just go back and mm-hmm. and like make these. I guess a little bit more like palatable to more people, you know, so we can play them on bigger stages or whatever. Palatable, like arrangement wise or sonic? No, the arrangements were exactly the same. Right. That's what I've, that's what I've kind of gathered. We came to Rado's with like every single part of every song written. Mm. Um, It was just that we were using such like bunk gear mm-hmm. in, our, in our apartment. Can you tell me about it? Because I, I haven't heard the term gear. bunk in the, the a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the that's, that's good. What did you guys do those demos with? Oh, man. We just had an SM57 and yeah. we had a lunchbox with like a, an EQ and a compressor in it and a, it just a tape machine. Yeah. But the one thing that I do like to talk about is um, that No Woman and Light Upon the Lake, those two songs off the album were recorded in, that, in our apartment. Yeah. And, and Using those, the bunk gear. Yeah, those demos were the ones that ended up being yeah. used in the final record, which is like fun. Very special. So you guys almost caught like a... A uh, bad, really bad case of demoitis. <laughs> yeah, demoitis. Really, yeah, it was like, mm. yeah. I think we realized that the like seventy five percent of the way through the record, it was just like, oh man, we should probably go and clean these up or something. But honestly, I think the, the songs were fully formed. Mm. No matter where we go, is the one that like really yeah. changed. Rado, when we like started, that was like the second song uh, that we like brought to Rado. Uh, at his studio and he just like sat down and I think we had like the probably like the bass and drums recorded and mm-hmm. just kind of playing on loop in his studio and he just mm-hmm. sat down and started playing this crazy like ragtime mm-hmm. old timey piano because you've heard the demo you know how much it like it shifted mm-hmm. and it was like that was literally just him sitting down and then me and Max sitting behind him <laughs> like laughing <laughs> 
like we were in awe. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were, it was literally it was like how did how is this dude doing something that's like tickling us this much? Yeah. Uh, and then we just realized that we had to take that and build this, the rest of the song off mm. of it. So we added like cowbell. <laughs> yeah. and it's a little cheesy, but it does, it suits the song better. It's yeah. like the song is like a very um, just like true sentiment, mm. and and I think the what he added to it, it just like completely com- it completed it. That's awesome. Yeah. Word. Um, wait. So you were drumming in Tweety and stuff like that. What are you like mm-hmm. up to now? Like, I, like, I, like, I don't even. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Well, uh, we haven't really been touring since we did a trip in early spring this year. We went to like down to Australia and Japan, um, which was crazy. Damn, I've never sounds, been. Uh, yeah, we're gonna do that Australia cool. later. But you are. Yeah, hopefully. Cool. But yeah, is Australia vibe. is great. Um, I had been to New Zealand before, which is just like the sweetest pop people on earth. I think are in New Zealand, um, and Japan is like a another universe. Um, but yeah, we did that trip, and we're and we're not really uh, playing shows right now because Wilco's so busy this year. But uh, the thing is, uh, with having that space at the loft, is my dad can pretty much just go up and be creative whenever he wants, and sometimes that means um, inviting Wilco guys over, and sometimes that just means we hang out and work on stuff. So I think hopefully we'll have another thing like that out sometime. Do you have uh, keys to the space? I do, yeah. Do you just like have like friends up there and drink beers sometimes? Mm-mm. Never. I don't know. It's a little. I I think that truly everybody would be comfortable with that, but it's just a little I, yeah. too scary. It's a little too yeah, scary. Totally. I totally. wouldn't want to. Yeah. I wouldn't want to screw with that. I do trust my friends. Though. I've got some yeah, good yeah. friends. Yeah, but that's that's been the main thing. And then I also I went to school this past year, and I'm oh, where I'll be going back to school this fall, um, in Wisconsin. This little school, um, Appleton. It's called Lawrence University. Oh, I've heard of Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Word. And um, yeah, just studying philosophy up there. Oh, dang! Liberal arts that's a, stuff. That's a cool major. Um, mm-hmm. Do you write music as well? Like yeah, songs. Yeah, I do. I I I kind of do what you guys did demo style, just like a little like a lunchbox set up in my basement at home, or when I'm at school, I have um, a friend who has this crazy massive church space that he lets me use a room of uh to bring all my gear and i work on this stuff by myself there but i have to admit it's really hard to keep the steam going when you're working by yourself and yeah, yeah. you know you have nobody else to yeah. to uh deliver for you know well, it's like motivating as well as like someone to tell you that you suck right yeah. like someone needs to tell you that you have bad ideas it's yeah, really important you need a foil you know yeah. You were 19 when you guys started towing like a bunch with the the Tweety stuff. How did how did that hit you? We played our first show four days after I graduated high school, and we had um, we had practiced one time with uh, the lineup. So it was, it was. I mean, I knew Liam Liam Cunningham, yeah. and so I knew him. We went to school together, and um, I had met. Jim and Darren before the our guitar player and our bass player, but never made never made music together. So it was like pretty terrifying to go out and do a whole run at, with only one rehearsal under our belt. And then, as if that wasn't bad enough, our the fourth show was in Austin, and we played Austin City Limits, the oh, TV man. show. Oh, the tape oh. one. <laughs> <laughs> the TV show. The one show. that actually gets immortalized. And yeah. Like, <laughs> the one, so that like, sucks. I, I'm, I'm, prou- I'm pretty proud of uh, 
how we, well we were able to do it considering yeah. how young we were as a band. Um, but when I will look back at that now, <clears throat> it, I can tell like, you know, we're rushing so much more all over. I'm rushing all over the place. Yeah. And everything's more fleshed out. But you, that's the uh, way it goes. Do you think like Austin City Limits is like the equivalent of like old gray whistle test? I, well, it's like the only one that's still like around. The only one, yeah, exactly. It's like, the it's same like, generation. Yeah, it's just yeah. like. Yeah, kind of. I'm trying to think of one. I think there's the like American a American old gray whistle test. Yeah. All that footage is so crazy. The, the worst mm. one, though. Leonard Skinner the plays Skinner'd Freebird is, oh, in front of a Confederate though. flag. That's so. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, God. Have yeah, you seen the Edgar Winter one? No. That one's not terrible. It's the best. <laughs> I think there's a really good Roxy Music one, too. That, that, that program was really special. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I, that's like what I want, you know, and I think you guys share that with me, like, mm. just like. Um, a wistfulness for old gray whistle test era when like even the lowest common denominator just average records or or br- like TV performances sounded like the best thing yeah. you ever yeah. heard in your life. Yeah. You know, and I so now you you just get like kind of man, I can't say bunk again. You just get like festival streams that just mm-hmm. like actually sound like paper thin. Yeah, and, like well, I, yeah, it's like embarrassing. I mean, I don't want to overly romanticize the past that's like a really complicated thing obviously but yeah it's like every single studio had a Neumann 67 and (laughs) and I don't know this might get too nerdy but yeah I don't know I think that just the the players were a little bit more I don't know if it's yeah I don't know I'm sure there are better players like most musicians were better back then I think it's actually like we can't talk about it like it's impossible to to refine to some sort of like right. absolute like mm-hmm. there's no way we're gonna be like right um but old gray whistle old gray whistle test is tight yeah and that's that's, that's 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 all that's important totally. <laughs> but the playing is a huge difference and julian that's one of the things that makes me love whitney so much is uh i really love your drumming and Thanks. that's like i feel like it's closer to that that time where it's like you gotta hit it the drums light, you know. You yeah, got, yeah. you can't murder the drums. Yeah. And yeah. I wanted to ask you if uh I ever wanna move to just like full time frontman, you wanna play drums? Oh absolutely, <laughs> dude. I don't know if that's serious, but so many, it's, so it's many as serious going as, on. as it seems right now. <laughs> this is the talk house business hour. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. We're going through a lot of uh I yeah, I read that we were going to do this interview last night, and then I thought it would probably come to this. Mm-hmm. So I was gonna just just going to ask you and have it be documented. I don't know if it's going to happen. I think mm-hmm. I think the drummer singer thing is like working for us a little bit, and like right. a, I don't know if it's like a kitschy way. Or, mm-hmm. Would you, would you know, ever be a drummer singer? I, w- I w- yeah, I would love to. Um, I don't, I've never really do you have sang a voice? much live. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Hope, no, I mean, uh, have hopefully. you found have you found your voice? Oh, have I found my voice? I, yeah, I I'm def- ha- I'm yeah, confident that you could. Yeah, but yeah. Like, well, well, I'm young, and I think it takes a while. But uh, in my limited experience singing, which is mostly like backup with my dad, mm-hmm. when on on the when in Tweety, I do do a little bit of vocals, and yeah, and I, I feel like I do kind of know what what I'm doing and what I want it to sound like, but um, not quite at the level where I, I could stand on my own yet. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that's good. I mean, like the first, 
I guess when I was like back in UMO when I was like 19 and like I just started touring, that was like the first time I ever like uh, was a drummer singer at the same time. Mm. Um, and that was back up. And then with Smith Westerns, it was back up too. Um, mm. So I don't know. It helps to have like the initial thing that like kind of start like gets you going like baby steps style. Yeah. And then moving into like the front actually drumming, being a front man, it's like, mm. it's not. That big of a step when you think about like it. Like, what other mm-hmm. instruments do you play? Other instruments like yeah, guitar, I piano, play guitar and and um, and bass. You know, cool. when I'm yeah. by myself. But so you can like write on a guitar and like mm. yeah, word. Okay. But drums are kind of always my main yeah, fallback. For sure, my main yeah. thing. Did you do any much singing when you were in Umo? Yeah, I did. That was like a weird thing because there's so there's a lot of harmonies in those songs that no one even really noticed. Mm. Um, and for some reason, I just like watching old live videos of us back then. Like for some reason, my vocals were turned up louder than his. <laughs> uh, and I like keyed in on that really early. And I was like, mm. dang, I like have to sing really well. So I was singing as if I was kind of like a yeah, front yeah. man. Um, right. Even though Ruben does all the music and wrote all the songs. Yeah. But yeah. I just met him for the first time this summer and he's a really nice guy. He's awesome, man. Yeah. We like, we did like a month of touring with them and like, Middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. like we went to like Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Oh my god! Uh, we played Fargo. We played Fargo, North Dakota. Nice. We played like Lincoln, Nebraska, and mm-hmm. some crazy zones. But uh, yeah, man, they're the best dudes, and they've grown to a point where like all those shows were sold out. It was like kind of mind blowing, and mm. we gained a lot of new fans. And it's great. It was great for us. How many pitchforks have you been to? Like twelve. Like since you're like, since I was a <laughs> toddler, um, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't know. Is well, when when did you watch the documentary? Oh, about, dang. About oh that's dad. such an intense question. We can't talk about. <laughs> it's, it's interesting though. Like we I'm, should I'm not curious, talk like, about Wilco in this interview. Though. It's okay. I love. I'm kind of interested, like like <laughs> when when like you saw that and how you felt about it. Because I remember when I saw it, I was like super moved by it. I was in high school. Mm. I, I was just a sophomore saw it. in high school. Yeah, for the first time. I liked it, but I haven't even. I only listen. I'm. I haven't listened to Wilco that often. Mm. Um, like I've only really heard Yankee Hotel Foxtrot like once in the car with Jimmy Whispers. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, he was like, "You have to hear this." Then we had like a ten-hour drive, and I lost my mind. It's an amazing record, but I don't remember when I saw it for the first time, and I haven't watched it since I was like a, a really little makes kid. Sense. Um, but I get asked about it all the time, sure. specifically about the scene where I'm drumming on my lap. In the back of the tour bus, I, I, I swear I don't think I've done a single interview in my entire life, which you know isn't a billion, but where uh, somebody hasn't asked me, like uh, I remember you. Do you um, remember? Do, yeah. Do you remember yeah, drumming? Like, which is I, I don't mean to sound like I'm annoyed by it. It makes sense. Um, but when I I've watched that scene on YouTube, and I have no idea what I was doing on my what beat that was and why I expected my dad to uh, recognize which song it was <laughs> it sounds nothing like it Damn. it's okay you can be annoyed by it too yeah that's so how I know I've grown as a drummer because I feel like I could I could pat heavy metal drummer on my lap now and you'd probably recognize it <laughs> maybe yeah. it's a benchmark yeah I don't know I guess like I guess something cool to talk about would be like the Chicago music scene at the moment and how mm-hmm. like it's how do you certainly it? like blossoming like 
more so than I feel like it has in a long time. Mm-hmm. Who are your, who's your favorite Chicago band right now? Favorite Chicago band, uh, apart from you guys. I'm not just saying that. I'm not kidding. Um, well, the Cunningham siblings have two of the best bands in the city. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. One of which, Ohm, is playing this mm-hmm. weekend at Pitchfork. Tomorrow, yeah, yeah. I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I love Twin Peaks, and they played this weekend, too. But yeah, it's like the three the three Chicago bands that are playing Pitchfork this weekend are my favorites in Marrow, which is Liam Cunningham's band. Um, it it's the I feel like the really crazy thing that's going on in Chicago right now is the hip hop though. I mean, it's yeah. both. It's it's the rock, it's the indie rock, and the hip hop. And I'm not as clued into hip hop um, in any way. It's just I just don't know en- enough. Um, but it's just like insane. I feel like every single week there's a new awesome rapper from our city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lucky X is like my favorite. Yeah. McJenkins. Do you know Nehi? Uh, I've heard of him. I haven't checked out their record yet, though. Damn. It's good. You should. Is it good? Yeah. I just got their new one. They're like bassist sent it over. It's awesome. Awesome. It's coming out on Twin Peaks label to Grand Jury. Cool. Yeah. I don't know. I also feel like that right now it's just like really specific, perfect time for bands to be here mm. for some reason. I'm not sure what it is. I think that I think it's that New York isn't yeah. I think mm, that, necessarily I think popping off or something. America like, in general, like North America, like went through a phase of like everything kind of is very cyclical, and um, it went through a phase where bands weren't that important for a little bit, and now bands are starting to pop up everywhere. Mm. Um, more guitars so, are coming back. Ex, ex, I mean, like hope. I mean, <laughs> not hopefully, but I like I don't know if they ever left though. Right. You know, like right. I don't know. It just seems like I feel like I'm meeting more and more people who like play guitar and like yeah. are in a yeah. guitar band. Um, mm. I don't like thinking about it as any sort of like a weird like conspiracy. Like like there's like a cycle or there's like some sort of a you know like we'll have our time later. It's like yeah. the, it's like the good music just like always comes up mm-hmm. and like pops up to the top and yeah. was there really a slump in guitar music i mean like we could be going through one right now and i just don't know it but like i have um, so i many- mean well there there were like time I mean, like if you consider like mainstream radio when like jack white mm. and the hives oh, and the vines and Ooh, the strokes the and the, the, all the bands like, mm. that wasn't mainstream radio yeah, oh like yeah it was. radio no dude that was they were they were when main- was that on mainstream radio I guess All I just in the early 2000s, to mainstream yeah. Radio. Mainstream rock radio, like, yeah. but not top 40. I feel like yeah, they were... I'm, I think think the I'm strokes, thinking top the strokes 40, were top maybe. 40, dude. No way. Were they? I don't know, What do you guys dude? think? I don't think no? so. Really? Am they I completely They were never top here? 40, Max. You think so? All right. No. Someone, someone in the room agrees with me. Dude, top 40 has always been just pop singers. Yeah. We're going to Google yeah, this on fine. our iPhones. I don't later, think top like, 40. I'm just I don't thinking think rock like, radio. Yeah, and, and if we're talking guitars, top 40 hasn't been guitar based since like 1983. The craziest thing is to look at the country charts. Because mm-hmm. that's well, like the, country, the weirdest yeah. thing. Because those people are but that's like a whole making so yeah. much money and like that's a whole selling, yeah. selling CD. They sell CDs. Well, they can literally play stadiums. They can be playing a show yeah. at like Wrigley Field, and it's a person I've never even heard exactly. or read their name. It's before. so weird. And their fans are also the people that you just like don't. You don't. You don't think that I don't know. Yeah. You don't like register. You no, walk past them on the street and you'd be like, they don't care about yeah. my type of music. The like, bottom line is, we are a absolutely tiny minority in the music Truly. world. 
yeah. you know, guitar or not, if it's, if it's indie and if it's not country, if it's not, and if it's not like on those top 40 stations, we are just a tiny little pocket in Union Park that <laughs> really don't relate to the rest of the country. Yeah, I guess like yeah. me not knowing that the Strokes were not top 40 is a well, pure like, definition of not understanding they're definitely massive. what the world is They're like. definitely they're massive, huge. but as long as I've been, I guess, awake when mm. it comes to music, like guitar has not been on the top 40 unless it's like some like acoustic guitar on like an R&B song. Yeah. <laughs> like that's it. But I agree with you that it doesn't really matter whether it ever went away or if it's coming back or if it's like the zeitgeist because they it still exists and yeah. we can still do it and hope the the old the whole worry and I think what's in, what's implied when people say like guitar music is making a comeback or something is just like a deep-seated fear that nobody would come to our shows anymore. Yeah, <laughs> or nobody would. For real though, or that like, it, you wouldn't be able to make a living. Well, honestly, like the I play guitar. I'm a huge fan of guitar music, but honestly, mm. like one of the things that I think I'm super impressed by and continue to be like appalled by are like iPhone artists. Mm. Like, I think Jimmy Whisper started as that, and he's trying to branch out to have more of a full band. But artists like him we're, and Alex we're helping Cameron, him with that as well. Yeah, um, but like a lot of people who. I guess like make are super like very good at arranging things and make things on their mm. computers and then play it on iPhone and sing in front of it. Mm. Um, it's kind of like changed like like it becomes performance art. Like I don't know, last year we played with Jimmy Whispers and I don't know, it's like a really special experience like watch him play Pitchfork off an iPod. Yeah. Like just he's like playing, hitting play and singing over like basically doing karaoke at Pitchfork Music Festival which is like a great, a great thing. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, we we use not to bring it back to to Tweety too much, but we used an iPhone and iPhone recordings on our record Suki Ray. Yeah, and I, I feel like if you talk to a lot of musicians now, they're like, "How do you write and uh, how do you store ideas?" And like, oh, oh I use voice, voice memos. It's all yeah. voice memos. Everyone always talks about voice memos. Yeah, it's just like Dude. a function of having a phone on you. Yeah, all the time. you just walk around the city like keep you keep hitting play on a voice memo, trying yeah. to come up with like a better idea on top exactly. of it. Like the only opportunity for you to be able to record is on your phone, mm. and that's like an important part of the process now. Which is like, yes, it's a shame, but it's also like a necessity. And like, I appreciate that like it's even there. Yeah, yeah. Thank God for the iPhone. Yeah. But um, what's your what's your most embarrassing interaction with someone at a music festival? Oh my God, there. Or just after a show. Yeah. Any any time. There you go. <laughs> It's, it's like every, you mean every show. Um, <laughs> I've put my foot in my mouth like like a couple times with, you know, even members of Wilco when I was a little kid. And I remember uh, one yeah. time when we were, uh, my family was traveling with them for a little bit. I had one of those dart guns, like a little like toy a nerf, plastic a gun, <clears throat> like a Nerf gun, but with a. But the kind with a suction cup on the end. Yeah, that's a definitely oh, yeah. Nerf gun. Yeah. That's, 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 well, no, 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 no. The, yeah, no, I know The other one. The, it's all plastic. And um, and I shot it at Nels, and he and he got really upset. <laughs> it was like a, it was a learning moment. It was a teachable moment because then I learned like some people aren't up to play with Nerf guns at every moment. Do you have any? <laughs> do you have a? Do you have a story, Jules? A foot in my mouth story. 
The only time I have to take like no, nah, I've embarrassed myself I feel a like million times. You and I might know each other's foot in our mouth stories better than we do ourselves. The the I think the worst one I had though was that Sasquatch and you weren't there. I got oh, like, with like Wayne Coyne yeah, or something. Yeah, I, like, you've uh, told me this story. I uh, we were in Vancouver the night before Sasquatch, and I got chicken shawarma, and. Uh, the next day, we went, we played Sasquatch. We played like noon or something. And Wayne Coyne, we were, it was Smith Western days. Mm. And uh, awesome dude, like obviously inspirational, like great nice. musician. Um, came, he was like in his suit, like his gray suit. Um, just like, came and said like, good show afterwards. And I was feeling sick from the shawarma. Hadn't really been drinking, hadn't been doing like nothing, nothing out of the ordinary and just like threw up mm. right <laughs> in front of him. Like almost on his, on his shoes, shoes. almost <laughs> on his shoes, like so close. But like I kind of ran away from the conversation while throwing up because <laughs> I was embarrassed. And I think he was just kind of like, see you later. And mm-hmm. I was like th- running away, throwing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up having food poisoning and having to sit in the the emergency tent oh. of Sasquatch for the whole day and get to see any of the festival. Oh, God. I think the only maybe competing story that I have was just like, <clears throat> meeting Questlove when I was like 19 mm. after our first show in New York and he was like what's up kid like he had like just watched our show he's like what's up kid and like we like had a handshake moment and then he was like you know your, you know your breaks man like you know your beats and I literally just looked at him like I didn't say a word mm-hmm. and then he got awkward immediately <laughs> and turned and I was like oh, hi <laughs> when he was just gone already also just remembered mm-hmm. that I met Snoop Dogg a Whoa. few months later mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because Jake from UMO, uh, his brother owns a production company that like mm-hmm. does a bunch of work with Adidas. Mm-hmm. They were doing a commercial with Snoop Dogg. It was like Snoop Dogg, Domogenesis. Uh, this was 2011, so it was like Domogenesis, Mike G, a bunch of like odd future people. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were like at this commercial shoot and me and Jake were sitting there and Snoop Dogg walked up uh, and he like shook both our hands. He was like, "What's up?" I didn't say anything. But then <laughs> Jake, after Snoop Dogg was like, "Hey man," Jake shook his hand and said, "Hey guy," <laughs> like literally called Snoop Dogg guy. <laughs> and that was like the worst. That was the biggest train wreck I've ever seen in my oh life my because God. I just saw the Jake's face like immediately <laughs> turn red. <laughs> and yeah, but then we hung out. We like the whole premise of the commercial was that we were like playing music while Snoop Dogg was rapping and we actually played a song we just like wrote a song is right there. Is that then. on the internet? Yeah it is. Nice. It's you would have to dig it up. It's like yeah. Adidas Addy Color 2011 mm-hmm. something it's like the YouTube that's the YouTube title or something but like yeah we actually like me and Jake just like wrote a song like drum and bass and Snoop rapped over it. Uh, Mike G and Domo Genesis rapped over it and it was like it was like the craziest day of my life because that was also the year the one year anniversary of me graduating from high school. And I was like, this is such a massive moment. Mm -hmm. Like, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. By the way, I just want to, just in case anybody was wondering, Nels is the sweetest, absolutely nicest you do. Actually, um, Smith Westerns did a few dates with Wilco. Oh, yeah. And all those guys are super awesome. Oh, my God. He's so nice. Yeah. Their, like, vibe of, like, practicing before their sets is Mm. so... um, I don't know. It's admirable. It's hard, it's, it's hard it's to admirable. make yourself do that, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, especially if you've been on the road as long as they have. Mm-hmm. Um, to rehearse that, like, 
intricately and like intensely mm. before. So no, they they really much care. respect. <laughs> they really care, and hopefully, like that comes across. It does. But um, uh, when I was seven years old, my band who is at who actually still play with called the Blisters. It's my friends from elementary school. Uh, when we were seven years old, that band somehow got a gig in a Quaker oatmeal commercial <laughs> directed by Errol Morris. What? He's like, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, and when, so like they just had us, they had my drum set on like a huge box of oatmeal <laughs> and they had the rest of them like in front. It was in this sound stage in LA. It was the craziest thing I've ever done still. Um they like had they gave each of us a moment to like talk about why we love oatmeal <laughs> and and i said quicker oatmeal is the breast and i'm trying <laughs> no. to say best but i accidentally uh, said breast no. and they didn't realize it until the commercial was ready to air so they had to pay me extra to go into a voiceover studio and say best instead of breast wow Dang. that's my commercial the commercial debacle yeah for, for Whitney and like, spencer talk like about their 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 child actor yeah. commercial vibes. Snoop Dogg was also in ours, actually, but I'm yeah. just kidding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, glad we, I'm glad we finally got to meet. I'm glad yeah. I finally got to see you guys play. It was really, really cool. And and living in Chicago, we're, we're I'm sure like, we'll be around some Where can we catch you next, actually? Um, well, uh, that band I mentioned with my friends, the one called The Blisters, we're playing at Constellation. Um, well, um, we're playing uh, in August, on August thirteenth, and then yeah, then not too many shows. But you guys, you guys j just played. Yeah, so. yeah, we just played. Yeah. we're out of town until September, but yeah, dang, hopefully we hook up. Yeah, in the for future. sure. Yeah, yeah. I was really glad to meet you guys. Thanks. Yeah, you as well. Peace. Love you, dog. Love you too, dog. I'm Ellie Einhorn, and you've been listening to Spencer Tweedy and Whitney on the TalkHouse Music Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for TalkHouse Music Podcast episodes recorded at Pitchfork Music Festival, including next week's talk between Julia Holter and Broken Social Scene's Kevin Drew. A big thank you to Pitchfork for hosting the TalkHouse at the Fest. This episode was recorded, edited, and co-produced by Mark Yoshizumi. Till next time. Bad, 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 bad.